So uh, 26 and 27, and if we get to 28, uh, are all written by David. He wrote a lot of these psalms, these these songs, um, that David was quite the poet, quite the writer. And when his heart was moved, he would write songs. And uh, oftentimes they sound very similar. So if I kind of move on from one verse, two verses, three verses, it's because we've probably already covered that specific topic in in depth uh, as we've moved through the Psalms, because there's often times where he's crying out to the Lord for protection against wicked people that are after his life, or he's talking about those that have wicked intentions in life and that want to um, take advantage of people uh, that are vulnerable, or uh, you know that he talks about those that would set snares for people to try to catch them and. Uh, we we may think of that only as a way of uh, to, to catch them and to kill them, but if we look at today's world, even in in this country, there are actually laws against things that would catch people in snares, like predatory lending. Right? Uh, there's the lending of adjustable rate mortgages and stuff like that, where hey, you're going to start out at, I don't know, 6%. And by the end of this, you're going to be paying 30% or whatever. There were those things because people like to prey on people. They they find people that are vulnerable, that might have trouble uh, getting um, some type of, of, of a rate. So they'll, hey, yeah, you can come get the car. We'll help you out. We'll find it. And yeah, you're going to be paying 30% interest on that, 25% interest. And I know I've shared this before, but I remember uh, I was working with a sales manager in my old job, and uh, he was looking to join the military, so I was talking with him, and and he was uh, just talking about some of the things that he's seen um, in the sales world, and the chief thing that he brought up was a um, a Christian businessman that takes advantage of people and flies the Christian flag. That was tough. <laughs> That was tough and eye-opening, and I don't know, uh, 15 years later, here I am sharing it. It was one of those things that hit my heart and that stayed with me because that was how the outside world, I say the outside world, the secular world views uh, this man and might view all Christians as people that are looking to take advantage of people. If you look at all the the, um, the negative headlines of these um, pastors that have uh, misused their uh, positions to take advantage of people financially, sexually, for uh, you know uh, whatever it might be, they they have exploited people in several different areas because of their own sinful desires, what they have, and and what does it do? It brings shame to the name of Christ. So David, as he's writing these, he's calling out these people with these wicked hearts saying that I don't number me among them, that I don't want to be uh, one of those people that would take advantage of people. So let's, uh, let's get into uh, Psalm 26, verse 1. Psalm of David, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. <clears throat> I have also trusted in the Lord, I shall not slip. So when he says vindicate, that's to clear of uh, a blame or accusation. Lord, that you would clear me. You know, and then he goes on to say, for I have walked in integrity. That if I am being accused of something, that you would be the one that would clear my name. That you would um, erase this accusation of, of guilt. Uh, against me and uh, where he can say in his integrity we know that David had great compromise in his life at times 
uh, when he stole a man's wife and had him murdered, chiefly is like the, the biggest thing um, uh, that we see in David's life. There were other things that, that we can learn uh, lessons from uh, David's failures in his life, but uh, he knows what he's talking about is, Lord, you know that in this situation, whatever the situation was, that he was, he was innocent of, of any wrongdoing. So he can go to the Lord because he knows the Lord. As the Lord clears him, he doesn't care about anybody else, you know. But he's asking the Lord in this situation that he would be that his integrity would shine through, and that everybody would eventually see that. And so when he says that, "For I have walked in my integrity, I also have trusted in the Lord; I shall not slip." Examine, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Uh, that could be, uh, to some, a very dangerous prayer. <laughs> you know, uh, you guys have heard it, and I know I've said it before, but people have said, don't pray for patience, because then trials are coming. Like, okay, then the Lord's going to be with you through the trial. If we need patience, it's because we're impatient and we need to change, right? <laughs> you know, those trials, those trials come, and they're there to strengthen us, and they drive us to the Lord, because you know, once we've been through something, and we've learned our lesson when we see somebody who's done the same thing. If we're truly reflecting back, we're going to reflect back and go, wait a minute, I've been there. I can't point at this person and say, well, I'm holier than you. And, uh, and I never did that. You know, oftentimes when we have done that, we've learned from it. We're going to be the most sympathetic towards somebody or even empathetic uh, towards somebody saying, yeah, you know what? I've been there. Uh, and uh, I've uh, working, I work at a college. And I uh, catch people doing knuckleheaded things all the time. And guys, this is not the right thing to do. I know what it's like to be 18, 19 years old and want to cut loose and do all these things. If you're going to do it, you can't do it here. It's a dry campus. And uh, you can't do that here. You know, you can't be drinking. You can't be running around, you know, whatever it is. And uh, things common to a uh, college campus. But I can look at them and say, I've been there. Or, or uh, you know, with what we've recently had, the, the tragedy we had um, in, in Castine, and I can talk to the kids that are there and say, guys, I've lost close friends. I, I know that pain, that hurt. If you need anything, come to me. You know, and I'd love to talk with you, pray with you and stuff like that. We can, uh, we can uh, relate to somebody. So when, when David writes here, examine me and prove my heart, try my mind and my heart, that, you know, that – that trial of heart, what he's actually saying here, Lord, is I'm going to cling to you. So if I'm faced with temptation, if I'm faced with uh, these trials and everything, uh, I'm going to cling to you. So if you're going to try me or anything, I'm just going to cling, cling to you and you're going to be my strength through it. <clears throat> because he says right here, as he, uh, you know, a four, and he's talking about, you know, you can examine my heart and improve me and try my mind and my heart. Um, and he says, uh, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. You know, God's loving kindness. You know, God's patience is before us. And, uh, and, uh, and I have walked in your truth. You know, when we've, uh, when we've ex experienced God's mercy and we've seen his patience uh, and we understand walking uh, in his truth, we're not going to have to look back and uh, it, I, you guys know when when we're walking in integrity, when we're, we're kind of we're on the right path, 
we're not looking behind our sh- over our shoulder for the judgment that might be coming, right? There's that because we know when we're when we're wrong. Um, the Proverbs twenty eight one is uh, says a wicked man flees when no one pursues him. The guilty one, the one that knows they did wrong, and so in our hearts, whether we're running physically or not, we're running from the Lord, and we're it be uh, because we know we're wrong. My dog, uh, you guys know Coda. You know sometimes he runs around here. Usually I can tell when he's up to no good because he runs away from me (laughs) and he wants to, and he's got that run. Like I got to get into the room really quick because he's got a bottle cap in his mouth or whatever it is that he knows he's not supposed to have and he'll run away. It's that same thing. I know I'm doing wrong. I know dad wants to take it out of my mouth and uh, that I shouldn't have it. So I'm going to run. Uh, We can do the same things in our lives that, that when we want to, when we want to have something, um, we're, we're going to, uh, to, to run away. But when we're walking in the truth of the Lord, we don't have that. We can just go, not that we're perfect, not that we're never going to say or think or do something that's wrong, but when our conduct is right, we don't have to worry about the consequences. Um, I've talked to people that have spent time in jail and they go, I no longer have to fear going to jail because I didn't, I'm not doing I'm not conducting my life in that that way anymore, and it's so freeing. I don't have to worry about, you know, the cops after me. Are they going to kick in the door with a warrant or, you know, all those things as they're walking uh, in the ways of the Lord. Uh, we're obeying the law. We're doing the things that are right in God's eyes. Um, we notice the, the things of this world as we, uh, we're diving into those things. They often lead to wrongdoing uh, and uh, in the law. So then we have... Uh, you know, our own conscience that's beating us up. Uh, and then we also have to, like I said, look over our shoulder and wonder, oh, okay, well, do we actually have somebody, you know, coming after me? The cops come. All those things. We don't have to worry about those things. But David, as he's talking about this, is he's not running from the Lord. And he has a piece about these things. He says, you know, your loving kindness is before me. For uh, your, uh, your loving kindness, and I have walked in your truth. Now he gets into, I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. And uh, if you notice here, there are uh, certain key words. I have not uh, you know, sat with idolatrous mortals, and nor will I go with hypocrites. Hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with uh, with the wicked, you know, uh, once might have, you know, once might have been right in the mix of of whatever's going on. Now, we don't typically, especially here in America, have shrines set up where everybody's sacrificing animals and stuff and those things. But the idolatry is running rampant in this country. Uh, it can be uh, money. It can be uh, pleasure. It can be whatever you want to put on it, but that's the thing that is chief in the in the hearts of many, outside of and not on the Lord. You can't you can't be serving as as Jesus said. You can't serve God and Mammon, the the uh, you know the the God of um, uh, materialistic uh, ways. You know you can't be super materialistic and and all focused on this that and the other thing. Uh, and try to serve God. Those two things are always going to butt heads because what the Lord tells us is 
um, that that as we lose our life, we gain it. And so when when we're trying to gain, keep our lives and keep those things um, in our lives that that were going uh, to help us get ahead in life, and those when that's our focus, and I got I've got this drive, I got to stay up late at night uh, to think of this new business plan so I can get more money and I can buy the expensive boat and I can buy you know those those things, and it, it, it does. That's that's what uh, so many people uh, in this in this country. Um, because you know, it's, it's a prosperous country. You can do well for yourself if you dive into those things. Unfortunately, it's, it's typically at the cost of our own souls and that idolatrous mortals, uh, nor will I go with the hypocrites, those that say one thing and do another, or they're this person when they're here and they're this person when they're here. You know, uh, I remember when I was young and uh, this this foolish, foolish statement like, oh, yeah, true. Your true self comes out when you're drunk. You know, <laughs> those things. I'm like, why? Why? And you know, who's usually saying that a drunk person is saying, you know, uh, because they'll say, you know, because, you know, because you will, you'll say more things, you'll do more things and the foolishness that goes with it, man. Uh, but, you know, that hypocrisy, that that. Um, as Will had, had taught us, you know, he's here for 20 years. There was a lot for us to learn if we've been here that with, uh, with him that long. And, you know, those hypocrites were those ones that would wear a mask, uh, in a play, you know, I'm, I'm going to play this role. It's the same thing that we would act one way, you know, we can come here, uh, and smile and be nice and cordial. And then, uh, I've, I've used this before that I, I know people that work in the, in, uh, the food service industry and they say, yep, it's Sunday morning. All right. Sunday afternoon, all, uh, you know, all the people just got out of church and here they are and they're barking at everybody and they're being mean. And like, that should not be what happens in the Christian. That shouldn't be our, uh, the fruit of our life. It, what the, what people should be seeing is Christ coming out of our lives, that there would be love, that there would be joy, that we would be patient with people. You know, when you start looking at the fruit of the spirit and, and those, that big long list of things that are in there, that should be what reflects uh, from our lives. When people look at our lives, uh, that's what they see. Um, it shouldn't be idolatry, hypocrisy, um, evil doing, just doing stupid stuff. Um, uh, just being, being wrong. Um, that can be, uh, stealing money. Uh, I can be all these weird schemes and getting, getting, uh, you know, taking from people, um, stealing personal property or doing it in a high, more, a higher tech way, whatever it is. And then, uh, David writes here, will not sit with the wicked. When I read that in verse five, it made me think of like a lunchtime at work. You know, that's that's when the potty mouths come out. Hey, let me tell you this joke, right? And uh, here's a, I got, got a new one for you. And uh, and I, here comes the, the outpouring of filth, right? Um, male, female, usually doesn't matter. Uh, you know, uh, but they, they can get to the point where we'll not sit with the wicked. You know what? When I've got time to sit down, it's not going to be with the wicked. Not because we're better and all those things, but who we want to surround ourselves with, you know, those that are going to encourage us, strengthen us, sharpen us, um, you, you know, that, that as we're brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord, that maybe we would sit and just be encouraged, encouraged. I was uh, greeted by 
uh, uh, man that came uh, by my work. And he came in. He's looking for me by name. And I'm looking for John Sear. I'm like, I don't know this guy. So I walk out. I'm like, that's me. So And he goes, he introduces himself. And he goes, yeah, I'm a friend of Tip McDonald. And if you know Tip and Jamie, uh, when we had Thursday night services, they would come. And uh, you know, they'd be in uh, Calvary Chapel, Orrington on Wednesday nights. But they would come here on Thursday and fellowship with us. And uh, he knows he's known this this uh, uh, this guy for tips known him for a while. And he said, hey, you know, John Sear works there. Um, you know, go talk with him. And this guy comes up and he says, you know, uh, uh, we meet on Wednesdays and a bunch of us that are, are Christians here at the school um, that are, uh, you know, whether they're uh, professors or people that work at the school. And, and we have lunch on on Wednesdays uh, at, at noon. You can come if you want. And I'm like, You know what? That'd be a blessing. Just to go, and I, my lunches are often interrupted, so I usually get my lunch and go. I don't know how often I'll be able to actually sit and be there, but there are Christians that I know there. And when I need some time of just, hey, you know what, I can go find one of them. And, and just, just I just know the conversation is going to be cool. It's not, And not that I, I don't have good conversations with other people that aren't Christians. I'm not saying that, but you know that, that encouragement that – the more we surround ourselves with like-minded people, the stronger we're going to be as a result. That's why we're here on a Sunday night. We want to be amongst each other. And not that, you know, not being here, not that anybody who can't be here uh, isn't, uh, isn't that way. But uh, we desire that. We want to be in the word more. We want to be, <coughs> excuse me, around like-minded people more. Verse 6, I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord, I will, uh, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous works. And uh, verse 6, it goes back to, uh, I will wash my hands in innocence. Uh, innocence in this, uh, this scenario, or whatever he's writing of. But isn't innocence a blessing? You know, I've, I've talked to you before, I've... Uh, um, my wife and I made the choice uh, before my kids started to go to school that we were going to put them in a Christian school. And, uh, and we made that choice. Some people, you know, their, their kids are ready Christian, uh, in their, in their uh, Christian doctrine and in their lives, they're ready to go to a public school and to shine as a light. Um, our kids, we just, we wanted to, you know, my wife, uh, we had heard about homeschooling. My wife's like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. So we put the kids in and, uh, when Calvary Chapel in Orrington closed down the school, uh, there were a lot of, uh, my kids, friends and their parents that made the decision to homeschool. And I told my wife, like, yeah, that's up to you guys really. Yes, I'll be praying. And it's very much a family decision, but that's between you and the girls, uh, with, you know, do, is that what you want to do? And they were all for it. And they love doing it. So we have homeschooled all three of our kids. Um, they are uh, very uh, approachable. You can talk with them. They, uh, you know, they have, uh, they're, uh, I'm very blessed by my children. And, and um, we have, yes, sheltered them from this awful world um, that, uh, and uh, they're not, they're, the goal in this was that they would be, uh, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, that they understand the, the, what's out here in this world, that they're, they're not oblivious to it. It's not like we've, we've locked them in, you know, the, the uh, rainbow bubblegum world and, uh, they're going to get out and they've, they've, uh, uh, you know, we, we 
bring them to, you know, they've been to several different, you know, they've seen TV and, you know, all these things. My kids have been, you know, brought up in a normal childhood. And, uh, but we have very much, uh, we'll look and, hey, we're going to watch this movie. No, this movie's full of filth. We're not, you know, even, even some movies that, you know, 15 year olds, you know, PG 13. Oh my goodness, this thing's PG 13. Have guys, have you ever looked at some of the 80s movies that were PG 13? <laughs> like, they let everything go in the 80s. It was like wide open. R had to be really bad, you know? And, uh, yeah, so so we have uh, we have raised our children because we want them to we, we want their innocence to be protected. They're not stupid. They they understand what this world like the dangers of this world and everything. I just have my, my wife and I decided that we were going to protect them rather than throwing them to the wolves and hope they do okay. You know that's you know because that's uh, you know I I went to public school. I look if people go to public school, whatever. But I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I know what I did. All these things. And uh, I, if I, if I can raise my children in the ways of the Lord, and that they would be, that their foundation would be God, I want that innocence. I want I want to protect that as much as possible. There's a blessedness in innocence, and uh, uh, you know that's that's why it's called innocence. You know, there's there's a great blessing there. I will wash my hands in innocence. Uh, he's speaking of this specific situation. So I will go about your altar, Lord, that he knows he can go to the Lord because he's not guilty. You know, if we are guilty, we need to confess and go to the Lord and say, yeah, Lord, I'm not going to come to you and act like everything's great and, and, you know, ignore the elephant that's sitting on me in the room, you know, and act like, you know, I'm, I'm breathing okay with that sitting on my chest. No, it's it, the Lord knows our hearts. It's not like we can, you know, weasel our way around and God doesn't know. But he's very much saying that he can wash his hands in innocence. That I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous works. I, I love that. The voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous works. Um, that we, uh, on our lips, would be thanksgiving. That we wouldn't be afraid or forget to thank the Lord for what he's done in our lives. Uh, as he works in it day by day. Um, there have been times where... I have um, prayed to the Lord. I've, I've been uh, struggling with, uh, you know what? I uh, maybe it's uh, I, I've been worried about, you know, how am I gonna how am I gonna say this when I'm up here? And I'll, I'll pray about it, like Lord, I just need you to help me effectively communicate this or whatever. And He does, and I'll go home and I'll go to bed and, or whatever, and I'll go. You know what? I never actually thank the Lord for helping me actually say that and and spit that out. Or um, as I've shared with you before, standing here, uh, it's hard enough to talk to sing in front of people is very intimidating. And uh, Lord, you know, second song, I'm going. Oh my goodness! Sometimes we're on the second song. I played the wrong chord four times. I sang out of key to start the song. Lord, would you please help me through it? He does. And uh, did I stop and say thanks? You know, it's important for us to have uh, thankful hearts and 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 to tell of His wonder wondrous works. To be able to tell, you know what, God has blessed me and He's really helped me in this situation. Just that His that 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 praise for Him would be on our hearts, our minds, and on our lips. <clears throat> our lips. Uh, verse eight. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. He's talking about the, he loves being in a place where he can worship the Lord and, and go uh, to the presence of the Lord. And 
you know, uh, for us, uh, you know, the spirit resides in the Christian and uh, we can love being at church and love being among believers, you know, that, that we could write something like that. I'd love the habitation of your house in a place where your glory dwells. He's just saying, I love being in that place where I can just, uh, my, my sole focus is on, on the Lord. I don't have to worry about whatever else I have going on. Um, I, this is, this is his, you know, people say, go to your happy place or whatever. What David is saying is, is this, this is where I long to be. This is where I want to spend my time in these places. I've got to go do all these other things. He's running a country, you know, and, uh, what he is, is most blessed by is going and being in the presence of the Lord in prayer and praise and, and, uh, just lifting his heart to the Lord. Verse nine. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. Saying, I don't want the same ending as the sinister, uh, as the sinners and the bloodthirsty men. And the end of their lives look bad, and uh, if they make it too, too much further. Um, typically what we'll see here. And unfortunately, um, I, I, uh, I like, uh, um, more of like documentary TV, uh, versus, uh, somebody sitting and writing, um, some sort of script or whatever. So I'll like something like, um, uh, you know, uh, there's a show, uh, the first 48, um, where, uh, it's, it's just showing, um, th th these, Things that have taken, they're usually a murder, which unfortunately, um, and it's not that I have joy in like covering the, the murder or whatever, but it's interesting to me that almost every time it's tied to somebody that has been involved in something in their life that is bringing that on. I mean, sometimes it's just pure innocent, like somebody's walking. And there's some drive-by shooting or whatever, but so there's an indirect connection there. But what you see is that there, when someone has lost their life, uh, a drug deal gone by bad, or they stole from somebody, or those things, and you see the end of those people's lives. And what you know, when when David is writing here, do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. When you see those that that may join in um, a, a violent lifestyle. Uh, like being in a gang or something like that. It's tragic when any young person, anybody loses their life, especially when they're young because they haven't lived their lives. But then you look at what they've what they've committed to, and oftentimes it's a, a misguided uh, youth, somebody who never had. Uh, unfortunately, in America, look where we're looking. Look where we're at. You have young people that don't have parent figures in their lives that don't have a father figure in their life. And look where, look where the nation is right now. Look at, look at like some of these, these cities like Chicago are completely out of hand. Like, like they don't know how to take care of these things. There's just like, there's mass shootings and very violent crimes that are happening on a daily basis. And they just try to like, hopefully contain it to this one area. It's very, very sad. And then uh, that's why when I say with some of these shows, um, you know, as I'm, I, I, I'm interested in the backstory, like how did it get to this point and what brought it to this point? And you see what it is, a sinful lifestyle. And how did they get to that? Sinful? They didn't have godly parents leading them in the ways that they should be going. 
So they're, they're, what they do is they've, they've gathered together because, hey, the only way they're finding uh, any type of sense of belonging is amongst these people. Hey, yeah, you know, they're, they're bigger, they're stronger than me, but if I join them, they'll protect me. They'll provide for me. And they find themselves in these situations and uh, their lives in jeopardy all the time. Not just those. That's just one example. But when he writes, you know, those uh, don't gather my soul with sinners, nor uh, my life with bloodthirsty men. That bloodthirsty. I, I've I've know some dudes when I went to high school and stuff. They love to fight. Me, I'm like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get my face punched. You know, I've been in one fight. And that was in fifth grade. You know, and I thankfully didn't get hit. I hit some kid in the head, and he cried, and it was over. You know, he said he wanted to kick my dog. You know, and I would not fight him now. He's a big dude. <laughs> you know, I the, the bloodthirsty, though, man, there are some people that I knew like that dude just wants to fight. And, you know, what it is is misguided youth, penned up anger. You know, all the, when, when you see this, oftentimes it, these these, you know, sinners bloodthirsty uh, in whose hands a sinister scheme and uh, in the right hand is full of bribes. It's sometimes, uh, you know, trying to get power and, and those things. But were they led by godly parents? These are a result of, of moving away from, from uh, the commandments of the Lord. And uh, when somebody is not following the Lord, it's easy for them to get into these things. Hey, I don't care. Take your hundred bucks. I want, I want hundred dollars. I'll tell you whatever you want. You know, you want to hear, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, you know, whatever it is. And they're willing to put together these schemes so that they can, you know, dupe people out of money. Why do you think we get so many telemar, the, 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 um, uh, scam calls? You know, oh, hey, you know, this church, I was here, um, I think it was before Christmas. Uh, so it was within the last two months, but I think it was right before Christmas. I came here and I went and got the mail. It was at night and I sent a picture to Will. And for, I, I had come here for, for practice, I think. Um, and uh, so I, I, I grabbed um, the mail and I opened it. It looked official. I opened it up, Hancock County and this and that. It's saying that we owe like almost $16,000 in taxes and stuff. And they, you better call this 1-800 number. I'm like, why would it be 1-800 and not a 207, you know, 667 number or whatever? I'm like, okay. You know, so you, you guys know. But it looked official. They had this person, they had a stamp on it and everything. So I took a picture of it, sent it to Will. He's like, scammers, I've reported them before and everything. But, you know, as a new pastor, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm looking at this like, this looks fake. I'm going to send Will a picture just to make sure. I'm quite sure it is. But if it's not, oh, my goodness. Like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, because we've always tried to keep things, you know, straight and everything. And I saw that. And, but they're scheming. They want to steal money. They want to take money. Hey, and they'll call. They're really, oh, I was actually, I'll, I'll tell this story. I was actually at work and uh, a lady I work with comes out into a common area where we're all, we all are. She's got it on, on um, speaker and she's going along with this, this guy who's, uh, you know, he's, he's, well, I just lost, I just knocked off the, um, oh, thank you. I can't, I can't not have this because then I'll um, not have anything for any sound for Facebook. So, uh, so she comes out into this, uh, common area, uh, where we, where I work in the lobby. And, um, <clears throat> it's got the guy on the phone who's trying to scheme her. Hey, you won publisher's clearing house. And, uh, 
you know, he's promising her, this is not a scam. You know, we're half hour from your house and, um, you know, we just need you to do, uh, I'm going to give you a phone number to call. You have to call this guy and you have to talk with him and we're not scamming you. We just need to get some basic information. We're, again, we're not scamming you. We're not. Okay, great. Uh, are you still at this address? And oh, yes, I'm at this address. You know, they think she's in Texas. Okay. They've called Maine and, um, they're, they're going along and, and, he gives her this big, long address and all these things. And he goes, why don't you read those things back to me? So she goes, ah, geez, you know what? Um, uh, can you repeat them? And he starts getting angry. And he's like, I feel like you're not listening to me. <laughs> and she's like, I, I don't know how the guy didn't pick up on like the thick sarcasm she's giving him the whole conversation. And it's this scheme. It's trying to take advantage of people. And uh, she plays the whole role and ends up hanging the phone. But you could tell he was he, he didn't pick up on the fact that she's like calling him out as, you know, like, come on, man, you're not even good at this, you know. And uh, it, it, but it was literally a sinister scheme to steal money from her. And uh, it, it was just funny to listen to. You know, it, it was so when David is saying the, these type of people that in their hands is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes, they're all about what they can get from you and to take from you. And, uh, it, you know, David is saying, don't gather my soul uh, along with those people. Separate me uh, in your mercy, uh, because he says in verse 11, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me. And be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place, and the congregation in the congregations, I will bless the Lord. Now, uh, where he's saying uh, here uh, that he uh, walking in integrity, uh, that integrity I learned it very fast in Air Force basic training. It's the first core value of the Air Force: um, uh, integrity first, service before self, excellence in all you do, and all we do. Like, if I said you do, I'd be wrong, and I'd be doing push-ups or whatever. Excellence in all we do. Integrity first, and they were nailing that into a bunch of teenage kids that just came from, you know, the couch and, you know, all these things and just not having uh, any type of uh, discipline in their lives and everything. And they're trying to teach integrity, that doing the right thing even when no one's looking, doing the things that we should be doing. If you know something's wrong, don't do it. Um, uh, you know, those things, they're trying to drive that into, um, uh, the, the mindset of, of young men and women, uh, that, uh, can just be selfish in everything until they get there. And then you, your selfishness is ripped away from you and you can't be selfish anymore, uh, because you don't have any freedom. And, uh, that's what they're trying to teach you. But that, that doing the right thing, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful to me that redemption and mercy from the Lord is really what we want in our lives. Uh, that uh, we, we want to be redeemed and we want God's mercy. We don't want um, uh, the popular tattoo. I used to listen to a lot of hip hop in the nineties and stuff. And it was cool when I saw Tupac with uh, on his stomach, only God can judge. I think it was Tupac. Only God can judge me. You know, he's on an album cover. It's like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. But I'm like, I don't think we want God's judgment. <laughs> we don't. We don't because we're guilty. You know, if we're standing before a judge, you know, we, we might be able to dupe somebody here and, 
and play the role well enough and not get sentenced, but he's God. He knows like the thoughts and intents of our heart. So there's no way we're going to get away with X, Y, Z, you know, those things. And, uh, you know, redeem me and be merciful to me. We want God to be merciful to us. You know, they, uh, we, we know we're guilty. We want the redemption that the Lord has to offer. My foot stands in an even place. That's, um, and then he says, um, in the congregations, I will bless the Lord. You know, my foot stands in an even place. It's nice to have solid ground. Unlike, like I told you, the, the snowbank that I, I met, um, on Friday when I was at work, you know, like I said, I, I was that this morning. I talked about that or was it just like right now? And I forgot about it. Was it okay? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the FedEx guy had fallen three times. I said that. Oh my goodness. I don't. I need more coffee. I think. I don't know. I'm drinking my water here, but maybe I should be drinking the coffee. Yeah. Um. It's been a good weekend, but I'm tired. So uh, I'll I'll figure it out. But um, you know that that solid ground. Um. I remember uh, it was last, not this past Christmas. The Christmas before is my first year there. It's the only one on campus. And I'm making sure, you know, specific buildings that they're all locked down. There's no windows, doors open, uh, you know, that type of stuff. And I'm just making sure that the heat's on and stuff like that. And I, uh, I shut the door to one of our buildings and uh, my slip proof shoes or, you know, my super grip shoes. Mm -mm, I'm on right on that, that, um, uh, it, it's the, uh, the decking there. Um, tech deck, I think they call it. Yeah, there, there's no shoe they design when those things are slippery. And you can see, I took a picture of it and sent it to everybody I worked with. And I wrote a little Christmas, towards the night of Christmas, I did one of those and I had fun with it. I was laughing the whole time I was writing it. Because I went from the top step all the way to the bottom. Of, whoo, whack! You know, just like uh, Home Alone. You know, you've seen it on Home Alone when they slip and everything. It was just like that. And, you know, thankfully I didn't get injured or whatever. But I appreciate when I read something like this. My foot stands in an even place. Um, I also remember when I was a teenager, we were um, teenagers do stupid stuff, right? And uh, we, uh, friends of ours, were they wanted to, you know, get some smelts so we can go do some ice fishing. So get a chainsaw. We cut a hole in the ice. <laughs> and when I say cut a hole, I'm saying we cut a big, massive, you know, square in the ice. And uh, how are we going to get that under? One of them stands on the corner of the ice. Okay. He's standing on the <laughs> Corey's nodding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's standing on the corner. This is ice. Okay. If you slip, you're gone. And he's standing there, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to watch. I'm going to kind of be quiet and stand off. And a few of us are like, whatever. Literally putting all his weight down so that the corner will be there, and then we can push the other corner and slide that chunk of ice under there. Thankfully, no one got – no one got. Um, why do I have an alarm going off? Um, so there's a uh, – you know, that uh, that's uh, – when I'm watching – Remember even ground, standing on even ground. I mean, they're 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 as they're stepping. I'm doing that. I'm just waiting for them to slip. Thankfully, they didn't, and everybody was okay. But he's talking about in his life that I'm standing on even uh, on uh, even in an even place. Uh, there are times when we're not, you know, and we know when we're not because we feel like we're slipping down. And uh, when we're not on that, even we're, we're, we're kind of on a, on a hill in, in our, our, our life and the gravity of our sin is pulling us so that we don't feel like we have firm feet. 
uh, and uh, that is by design that we shouldn't be comfortable there. That's the Lord's grace and mercy letting us know we're not in a good place. And uh, as he as he does that, speaks to our hearts in the congregations, um, I will bless the Lord. So um, doesn't want any of the other the other things. You know, he says, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place in the congregations. I will bless the Lord. So if you look at verses nine and ten, verses 10 and 11 can be considered the exact opposite of those things. Because he's talking about the schemes and the bloodthirsty and the sinners and the bribes. Then he's talking about integrity, redemption, mercy, standing uh, in an even place and blessing the Lord. Quite a way to end that song or psalm as he's writing it, that poem as he's writing it, saying that you know, I want there's this and this, and I want this. I want the good part. Let's move to Psalm 27. Psalm of David again. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So uh, when he makes these declarations, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So those the first part of each of those is saying, because the Lord is my light and my salvation, I shouldn't be afraid of anybody. Because the Lord is the strength of my life, I'm not afraid of anybody else. It's that He's actually just making those statements. Like, would it make sense for me to be afraid of, of anybody? Or should I be fearful of anybody? God is my salvation. He's the one in whom I trust. You know, the Lord is the strength of my life. Uh, that, that God would not only be our Savior and our Lord, but he'd also be our strength. That we would rely upon him because once we have been saved from our sin, our enemy and our sinful flesh wants to try to drag us back. Where do we find the strength? I can guarantee every single one of us, it's not in us because where did our own strength take us before? You know, so if we say, yeah, I'm strong enough now. I got this. I got it. I got it. Actually, I was talking with Dustin today, this morning. Uh, you guys know Dustin. Used to be in attendance here with us, and, and I'm sure he'll be back at some point. Right now, he's in Calvary's uh, Residential Discipleship Program. He's getting his life, his feet set before him, that even place for him to stand in life is being established. And he's in intense discipleship training and uh, in Bible study, like three Bible studies a day. Um, and they're out working and they're being, they're, he's, he's learning, uh, relearning life right now as a Christian because it, where did his life take him? And I remember before uh, Dustin went into this and, and, you know, just seeing the look on his face that he's, he was so excited. He had to be convinced, right, Tom, that he needed to go. And it took a long time, didn't it? Yeah. I remember Tom, uh, Kathy, Gary saying, uh, you know, uh, Oliver saying, dude, you need to go. You need you need to be in CRD and you need to go get some help. And he finally it got to the point where he was there. And now to see Dustin, you saw him this morning. If you haven't seen him, he looks awesome. He looks great. He's working out. He He's he's excited. He's talking about the Lord all the time, you know, and and it's it's such a blessing to see uh, to see that and have a conversation with him. Uh, he was he was talking about somebody this morning in our discussion that had just completed CRD. 
that uh, that they had just graduated, and and he was very alarmed and very he's very concerned for somebody because a discussion that he had was this guy saying, "Hey, I've got this going in my life. I've got this, this, and this." He's like, "Oh, the Lord's bless you." He's like, "No, I work for this stuff." He's like, "Dude, you're not getting it. <laughs> you didn't get. You missed the whole point. You went there for a year and you forgot all about everything." Yes, you work and God rewards you, but you're now worshiping the reward rather than the one that's giving the reward. You know, and, and Dustin, to hear him in this, he's not just saying that. He's not just sitting out there trying to, you know, have a spiritual conversation with me. That's He's seeing that 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 in, as a result in that person's life. And it was such a blessing to hear him say that. And he's going, so you forgot that the Lord is your strength, you know, and, and it's such a blessing to hear him saying that. That the Lord needs to be our strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Including ourselves. We should be greatly afraid of following ourselves. But, you know, as the Lord told us in John, you know, nobody is, will, is, is able to take us, to snatch us out of the Father's hand as we, as we walk with him. We don't have to worry about things. If our hands and our lives are... Um, following the Lord, he's going to bless and protect us. Verse 2, when the wicked came, uh, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. You know, uh, we, as uh, especially here in America, we typically don't have people chasing us with spears and swords and uh, those types of things. But when you look at this from a spiritual aspect and understand the spiritual warfare that that is going on uh, that we don't see uh, there, you know, when the scripture talks about there are principalities and powers at work that we don't see. All we have to do is trust the Lord. We don't have to fear those things, but we need to understand that, you know what? I just need to stay fastened to the Lord. I need to, I need to be clinging uh, to God and, and that I know that God's got me in his hand. Nobody can pluck me out of his hand, but I have a wondrous heart and I, and, and I can turn away and uh, that I would end up in a bad situation. But when David is writing this, he's talking about people that are after his life. And uh, for us, we need to understand that that God fights our battles and he, he wins our wars. And, you know, we're called to trust in him and to follow him. And as we do, he is going to be the one that even though we may uh, we may look around us uh, in our in our own personal lives and see the attack that's trying to pull us away from the Lord. Uh, to, hey, you know what? Okay, yeah, you went to church for a while. It was cool and everything. You really need to get back to you know this. You need to get back to this. Uh, you know whatever life that you were living. Um, you know, is this really going to fulfill you for uh, you know all the the rest of your life and all these things? Those lies that our enemy will tell us. Believe me, the enemy does exist, and he does want to draw a wedge between us and God. That 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 is true. If if you don't believe it, turn on the news. You, you, we can't look at this world and, uh, and go, oh, there's no evil in it. No, there's very much evil in this world. And that's why we're dealing with all these things. And that's why uh, when we turn away from the Lord and we seek after those things, because we've, it, that's, that's why we're going to see the destruction that happens in our lives as a result of turning away from God. 
but David is talking about here uh, that he's being, uh, you know, pursued for his 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 flesh. They're trying to take his life, and even if an army were to surround him in the camp around him, my heart shall not fear. You know, for us, uh, we are most likely going to face more of a spiritual attack than a physical attack. Uh, Josh and Kelsey, um, what is Josh's last name? I always forget it. Um, uh, they're uh, from Calvary, uh, Orrington, and uh, they went. They uh, were heading up Calvary Chapel, Alderet, in Kenya, Africa. One night, they were sleeping, and uh, there were uh, people there that didn't want them there. So they came in. And uh, they left notes. They uh, they gassed them or something. I can't remember uh, exactly what it was. Um, but they, they left threatening notes and said that we will kill you if you don't leave. They stayed. They stayed. They knew that that's where they were called. And the Lord gave them the peace uh, to be able to stand there in, uh, in the power and strength of the Lord. And know that even if this whole place around us surrounds us. Uh, we know, and God tells me that I, that I'm supposed to be here. Um, then uh, they just they're there, and uh, they uh, they stayed there and they ministered for a long time. You know, though war may rise around me, in this I will be confident. I like that. In this I will be confident. If there's one thing that we can be confident of, it's the faithfulness of God. If there's one thing that we can build our lives on and stand in confidence, it's God. When we're at a point where we can't. That's because we don't know him well enough and we don't know his word well enough because when we know his word well enough and we see time and time and time and time and time and again that he that he is uh, ministering through Israel and, uh, uh, you know, to Israel and, and you see, oh, hey, they made this mistake in their life and they dealt with it this way and they were punished this way. It's just a. We can look at that and go, yeah, I've done that in my life. I've done that. I've done a similar thing in my life. We understand uh, who God is, and and uh, we can have confidence that as He carried them, as He protected them, as uh, He worked in their lives, He's going to work in our lives. So uh, when He says, "Though war may rise against me, and this I will be confident," uh, you know, uh, the Psalm twenty. Uh, we just were there a few weeks ago. It says, uh, so, uh, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord. That's that's where we, uh, he's the one we can be confident in. If we're, I don't know about you guys, but I've been confident about things in my life. You know, confident in my ability to whatever, you know. Um, I'm pretty confident. What happens when we get a little overconfident? Mm-hmm. I remember four wheeling with two friends um, who were out in on Route Nine. We climbed Chick Hill, and after we climbed Chick Hill, we decided, "Hey, let's go bust around. We'll go down the logging trails." And found this old um, uh, airport. It was like this, uh, not really like a real or airport, but it's kind of like the old, old one, you know, for personal aircraft or whatever. And, uh, there's a there's a gravel pit there, so I'm confident riding the four wheeler. And kind of busting around, hey, I made this jump. Cool. Okay, well, I'm going to do it faster next time. And I jumped, and I was leaning forward. <laughs> and and anybody who's been on a four-wheeler and all four wheels are off and you're leaning forward or you've watched it, you know at that point you're going to go head over heels, right? I have no idea how I didn't because my whole four-wheeler was like this, and I landed front 
And then, whew, and I laid back, and my my buddy looks at me, he's like, whoa! <laughs> you know, I was way overconfident, almost killed or paralyzed myself, right? The confidence we have in ourselves. Uh, we can do the same thing that I did on that four-wheeler, and we do the dumbest thing. But, man, did I, I mean, I'm like, nope. I mean, it was one of those, like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm uh, going to take a break. <laughs> I was scared because, I mean, I was up in the air, and I had launched it. I'm like, hey, that was one jump. He's like, oh, that was a cool jump. I'm like, cool, man. We're going to have some fun jumping. And I hammered that thing, and, and I was moving. And if I went over, there was there was going to be some serious. I mean, that would have been like, oh, hey, I scraped my elbow. Uh, we're probably life flight me out of there if I survived it. I mean, that would have been pretty pretty rough. A little overconfident and in the wrong thing. You know, my confidence in my own ability uh, nearly, <laughs> nearly killed me. So, uh, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. You know, the, the, the one thing desire, uh, David is saying, is to be in his presence. And that should be the goal of every Christian. That our, our sole desire is to to know God and to spend time with God and one day be with him forever. Yeah, because then our, 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 our priorities change once, once he's saved us and he's brought us to uh, that point where we're, we're now growing in him, right? Because things start changing. Our lives uh, and our priorities start changing. And as our priorities, because they're getting set straight, if our priority is the Lord and being in his presence, then that's going to change. It's going to positively affect the rest of our lives. It's impossible to be uh, in right standing with God and to to not be loving, uh, be a loving person and be a patient person. Because we're as we're getting those things from the Lord, it has to come out of us. But if 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 we're trying to uh, to live this kind of thing where we want to hold on to a little bit and then, you know, Hey God, I'm going to go. I mean, this is all talking about like, I want my whole life to be, and it just, uh, just, I want the Lord to surround me and take over everything he's saying here. I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We talked this morning about Anna, uh, briefly, and, uh, we were talking about Mary, uh, where Mary would her her every time we see her, she's dropping to the feet of Jesus, and um, it reminded me as I as I said this morning of Anna, that Anna uh, was a widow, and she spent every day of her life in the temple, night and day, in fasting and prayers. That was her way of worshiping the Lord. She just wanted to be at church. Now I, I'm not saying being within this these these walls are the only place that we ever should desire. It's about being in the presence of the Lord that that, you know what, when when we're uh, struggling, you know, hard, hard work day, phones going off the hook or this is going right. This is going wrong or whatever it is that that we uh, that desire to that we would have, you know, that there would be as as John the Baptist said, that that I would decrease and that he would increase in our lives. You know, that's that's uh, essentially what's being uh, said here. Now, these these the words here um, are, are very powerful and where, where it says uh, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. 
um, in the secret place of his tabernacle. You know that that the that when I am in the the worst spot that that I am, um, you know, when you can look at a verse uh, like Philippians uh, four verses six and seven, where it says, "Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, uh, let your requests be made known to God." Uh, and, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I memorized those ones because I had to. Those times of, of man, I'm fearful of this, fearful of that. Why am I anxious about this? I don't know. Why is this bothering me? Why am I waking up at night thinking about this? Why, why are all these things? I love that it says here that uh, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In that, in the secret place of his tabernacle, that I can just go to God, and He is going to just wrap His arms around me, and I don't have to worry about anything. He's gonna, He's gonna hide me in a in a spot where there's nothing that can hurt me, is what He's saying. I have no fear, nothing to be anxious about, and uh, and and that David uh, is writing here that he knows in the presence of the Lord there's nothing to fear, that he can go there. He says that He shall hide me, He shall set my feet. Upon a rock. Verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises uh, to the Lord. And uh, this is speaking of sacrifices of joy. Uh, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, praying for things, but to actually praise um, I think there are often times where uh, we can try to make a deal with God. God, if you give me this, I'll do this forever. For the rest of my life, I heard it all the time. I hear it from my kids, you know, like my youngest. Dad, if I get a bunny, I'll do this every day for the rest of my life and everything, you know, because you'll say anything as a kid to get what you want, right? You know, and, and, uh, and I'm talking to her. I'm like, yes, I know you do. You're great. And she got the bunny. Uh, and, and we have a bunny at the house now and the thing's awesome. It's cute and it cuddles and, and, um, it, it, all those things. But, but doesn't that remind you of how we act? You know, Lord, if you would just give me, I just need this in my life. I need, you know, this relationship. I need that. If you just give me this, these things here, you know, uh, it, it's, it's quick. Uh, you know, we can be so, uh, quick to, uh, to sometimes, um, present things to the Lord and, and, uh, and think that we're going to earn his favor or whatever, but, you know, to pray for things or anything. But I love here what he says is, here is that, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. You know, I'm just going to praise God. He says, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. That, that's what we're supposed to do, right? When, when somebody has done something for us, the response should be thank you. Right. That's just, just common courtesy. That's what, you know, we teach little kids when, you know, you give them the, uh, the sandwich or you give them the lollipop and thank you. And they, you know, they go off. If they just look at you and be like, well, it's about time. You know, you're like that kid's never getting trick or treat or, you know, or whatever from me or, you know, that you're, you're going to say, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, this, this kid needs to learn what gratefulness is and what thankfulness is. And, you know, with, with, with us in our, our hearts, we can be so quick to um, uh, just to, as I said earlier, to forget what God has done. But uh, we should always offer sacrifices of joy, uh, uh, you know, in the presence of the Lord and, and sing, uh, sing praises to him. Now, verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Do not leave. Uh, you have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. So uh, within these, uh, it's, he says, in God alone do I trust. And um, there's a, uh, there's, actually I'm just saying that, um, that, uh, that he, he is the one um, uh, we, that we need to trust in. Because when he says here, uh, hear, O Lord, when I cry, have mercy upon, uh, also upon me, answer me. Uh, when you said, seek your face, I said, you know, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And, um, you, you know, when we're looking here, if we turn to other things in a time of trouble, we make that thing or person an idol. We put that thing in the place of God uh, where we're, we're going to go to uh, that thing that makes us feel better uh, when we're uh, in a scenario in our lives. So that Instead of running to the Lord in prayer and saying, God, I need your help, it's, oh, I'm going over this, so I've got to go to this, and this will help me. God wants to be the one that we go to, that we that we run to, that we ask to help. He says, you know, hear, O Lord, when I when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. There's the cry to the Lord, uh, and, and then we see a response. He's he's saying, you know, when you said this, seek my face. And David says, my my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. You know, that that's a that's a place we never want the Lord to hide His face from us. And uh, when we've seen that in the Scripture, or when the Lord has turned His face away, or He will not hear when they cry out, it's because now they're experiencing the judgment. That as they were so stiff-necked and hard-hearted, they just kept turning and they, well, we don't want what you have, Lord. I want this. We don't want. Don't tell me about God. Remember Jeremiah? I mean, those guys were just kicking him, kicking him down the curb. Like, we get out of here. We don't want to hear anything you have to say. And I, I spoke of it recently. You know, Jeremiah got to a point where he was he was so discouraged that he told the Lord, like, I'm trying to tell them they're not listening. I'm not going to speak anymore. And the Lord's like, No, you're going to continue to speak. You're going to continue to. Because, you know, when we get to the point where we're looking, uh, you know, for anything else uh, that's, uh, you know, instead of the Lord, then we, we find ourselves, like I said, putting that thing in front of us as an, an idol. And, uh, you know, do not hide your face from me. Uh, God, God will show us. Okay, no, you wanted that. Now look where that, look where that got you. You know, if you wanted that in your life, look where it got you. That thing is dead. I loved when, when the Lord was, I think it was in Isaiah, when he was calling out the idols, the fake idols. Yeah, it was in Isaiah. And um, and he's, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, let's, let's talk. About, oh, so you're having trouble now. Well, go talk to your idols. You know, the ones that you made with wood, you know, you, you, you cut them up and you use that same wood to go cook your eggs and bacon. Uh, but, you know, you're, you made your idol, you whittled it out of that, that piece of wood and whatever's left over, you're using it. Like he, he's saying, you whittled this thing and you place your trust in it. Let that thing save you. Let it do something. Let it say something to you. And the Lord mocks that idolatry and because there's nothing that can do anything for us other than him. You know, we can put these little patches, you know, we can take this and go, oh, okay, well, I don't really don't want to lose this. So, I mean, instead of going to the Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll try to kind of sort of go to the Lord, but I'm really going to put my faith and trust in this. 
You know, oh, no, we want the face of the Lord. We want him to be there with us. We don't want him to turn his face. You know, don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. David knows who he needs on his side, and it's not an army. You know, when, when David wrote here, you know, he's the king. He's got a whole army of people at his at his disposal. And what he's what he's saying here in the last in the last chapter, you know, though an army encamp me. David had had already experienced that. You know, in, in David's life, he had a lot of times where he was running and fearing for his life. And he might have written that, and I believe he did. Uh, you know, as he's being chased by someone like Saul or Absalom or uh, whoever it might be, but he was a mighty warrior. He was used to a battlefield, but he knew where his strength was. It wasn't in his ability to fight. You know, David knew as he went in front of Goliath with a sling and some five smooth stones uh, that the odds were, you know, not ever in his favor, right? There's that, that movie thing there. Uh, where it says, may the odds ever be in your favor. The odds were not in his favor when he went out. Um, you know, but he knew that with God, he had the majority. And he could go, and he knew that the Lord had laid it on his heart, and he was going to go fight uh, that that giant that everybody else for days was afraid of. And Goliath's going out, and he's going, all right, who's going to fight me today? Anybody? I'm just going to start making fun of you guys. Make fun of your God and everything. David came out. He's like, what is going on here? Give me the, give me a sling and a stone. I'm going to go fight this guy because I'm tired of him blaspheming God. And he went out and took care of it. David was a man that knew the, 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 the uh, battles in life. It wasn't that he, he was unfamiliar and he's saying, oh, if anybody ever comes against me, I'm going to trust in God. He had to trust in God in those situations. And he understood who actually carried him through. Verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Um, you know, those that should uh, be the last person to ever forsake. Uh, and I know my mom and my dad would never, ever forsake me. They would never say, you know what? I hate that kid. I got nothing to do with him. You know, and I, I don't care about him. I, I have a loving parents and, you know, uh, you know, it's it's the um, you know when when Oliver talked about it this morning. Oliver had been through uh, some situations where his birth father and his stepfather had rejected him and, and left, and what that did for him, you know. And and uh, I've had I've had just you know Oliver and I just talking like man, yeah, that's rough, you know. I I was brought up my mom and dad they they divorced when I was like seven years old. But I never questioned their love for me. You know, they were there with me. And, uh, you know, what, what David is saying is even if my, mo my mother uh, and, and father uh, were to uh, forsake me, uh, the Lord would take care of me. You know, remember uh, when, when Jesus was talking about the love of the Lord, he's like, how, you know, you being evil uh, want to give good gifts to your children. But you can't even compare to what God can give. You know, uh, and he's he's talking about you know how much God loves us and how much He knows us. He's like you know you you with with those those hearts uh, that are so sinful. Uh, you think you can love your kids, but it doesn't compare to the love of God. Verse eleven: Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. 
for false witnesses have have risen against me, uh, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, uh, teach me uh, your way, O Lord. So back to verse eleven. Teach me your way, O Lord. Uh, you know, the perfect way that we would grow in Him. As we learn and as we're going to the Lord, if, if we want to grow in the Lord, it's it's actually very simple. We uh, trust in the Lord. We pray to him. We spend time in his word. And as we do genuine, genuinely seek him and spend time in his word, it's impossible for us not to change if we're submitting our will to him. It's impossible, you know, because as as you know, uh, we decrease and he increases we're going to learn his ways and we're going to understand him more and we're going to know him better in our lives. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Uh, you know, if we, if we find our, if it's not happening fast enough, you know, it just, just keep seeking him, just keep going. And he's going to continue to build us. He's so faithful. We can rely upon him. You know, when, when he says that, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. The verse twelve says he's he's talking about the you know do, do not deliver me to the will of my enemies and 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 he's asking the Lord uh, to keep him away from those who would hurt him and want to do violence and take his life. He said I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. I would have. If I didn't have the hope that I have in God, I would have lost heart. You know, there, there's a that's a powerful verse right there. I would have lost heart. There's a lot going on in his life. And when David can say something, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. If I didn't believe, I, the, I, I shared with you guys once, um, uh, just recently a friend of mine uh, had posted something like uh, about what you'd have to actually believe. Uh, to, to not believe in, in a God and in, in, in to believe in God specifically. I know this guy's a Christian, um, but he's like, I don't have enough faith to be, uh, to be an atheist. Like what you'd have to believe to be an atheist. He's like, I don't have enough faith for that. You know, I just, it, it, it you require so much more the empty faith in something that to believe in that you'd have to have so much faith in that rather than just trusting in Lord and, and, and accepting him and walking with him. I love that. I don't have enough faith to be, uh, to be a, an atheist is such a blessing. So that, that quote there, uh, in verse 13, if I didn't believe, and we're going to wrap it up with 14 here, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord, this whole Psalm was a, a dialogue uh, you know, where, where David would quote the, what the Lord said and he would talk to the Lord. And then there's encouragement here. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He's not saying that to the Lord. He's saying that to anybody else who might read this. And he's probably saying it to himself. The reminder, you know what? I just need to wait on the Lord, you know? Uh, and and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's some... That's the best advice. You know, you're waiting on this. You know, you've got this going on in your life. You know, just wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Seek his face. Understand that he is going to take care of whatever the situation is. Just wait on him. It's when we try to take things into our own hands and we try to do things in our own strength. 
that things get all all boggled and, and we can't figure things out. Things get confusing and overwhelming. If we just wait on the Lord, we lay whatever the request is at his feet and say, God, I can't handle this. This is overwhelming. I feel like there's an army surrounding me. I feel like you know I I I I've, I'm you know going to be swallowed up by whatever it is. Pray about it. Wait on the Lord. Get in the Word. Be in prayer. Uh, you know, talk to brothers and sisters about it. But what what you're going through? Hey, can you pray for me? I'm really dealing with this. Wait on the Lord. It says here. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. That's a powerful statement for us to end on. Whatever it is, be of good courage. Wait wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he's going to take care of everything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can wait on you, that we can be of good courage, that the circumstances uh, in life that uh, would want to uh, overwhelm us, Lord, uh, we pray that they wouldn't and that you would remind us of who you are and of your great mercy and grace. We love you. We thank you. We pray you be with us in this week to come. Protect us, bless us, and keep us until we're here together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.